0: My name is Remus Perini, I'm a software architect and CTO of Yonder, a professional services company. We are here to discuss about our Lifecycle Extension Program, which is a way to capture best practices, patterns, and anti-patterns in managing legacy products. Today's topic uh, is uh, inception of projects. Whether you have a new initiative for a new product or a new module, or you have a modernization or transformation of your existing legacy product, the way you establish your team can have a big impact. Uh, on the success of this endeavor. Our guest on this topic is Yuna Kokola, CTO of Maestro, who has been in this situation a couple of times in the past, and can share from his experience. So welcome Yuna. Can you share a couple of words about yourself and Maestro? Uh,
1: yes, thank you Remus, uh, it's, it's always nice to talk on, on software. So yes, uh, uh, I've been working at Maestro for 20 years now and uh, it's been all technical roles and currently i am the cto here Uh, during this time i've had a chance to start and create new software product families such as maestro expra and maestro ng and about maestro uh, we are two business units Uh, one is Maestro retail working on erp and commerce solutions And uh, the other one is Maestro Verso, that is uh, providing an accountancy solution. Uh, We have around 600 customers we are are working with.
0: And basically we are talking right now about the Maestro Retail application, which I think went through a couple of modernizations. And right now it's a nice uh, SaaS multi-tenant high-maturity level solution, right?
1: yeah yeah that's that's correct so in 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 total uh at Maestro over thirty years uh, we've had kind of uh, many of these uh, life cycle changes with with our products um
0: I know this topic is kind of important because I've seen many times uh, teams fail uh, at new initiatives or modernizations because of things like lack of focus or lack of domain knowledge uh, so, many times you have kind of a trade-off between, on one hand, domain knowledge, because you have existing team people uh, working in development who have been working under your product for so long, so they have uh, good domain knowledge, but of course they will be constantly uh, focused on your regular production uh, or operational issues. and. On the other hand, you have things like new technologies and new platforms that you would want to use in your products where most of the time your existing developers might not have enough experience. Uh, You can get new developers with good platform uh, knowledge but without domain knowledge. So it's kind of difficult to balance these things. Um, So can you provide a little bit into the context of your new projects that were started? Uh, I know about the Silverlight conversion uh, back then and then the the new Angular uh, migration.
1: Uh, Yes. Um, It was around 2008, so more than 10 years ago, when we had a big vision to rewrite our huge ERP product family so it would be all web and uh, it would be able to use it natively with a web browser. So... um, before that we we had kind of the other half of our product family was already web and it was using some uh, older uh, web technologies like uh, basic JavaScript and uh, uh, classic ASP pages and things like that and Microsoft.NET was, was a new thing around around then, ASP.NET and all. Uh, uh, so so we had success with our web based products back then and it made sense to think about upgrading all, everything else to web also so the problem was that uh, the developer team working on the traditional windows erp product they did not have any experience on web technologies and uh they were very busy maintaining the product and the kind of uh uh had no spare time to kind of learn new technologies at the time or were not given that time so the web team had a little bit more uh, time at their hands and uh, we started doing some technical proof of concepts and uh, exploring the new technologies that could make it possible to uh, kind of to do the full ERP as as a web based product
0: Right, and that was the period in which basically the whole rich internet applications were in big fashion, uh, where basically uh, web applications were kind of promoted to new levels of, of uh, let's say, uh, user friendliness by the introduction of AJAX. But of course, AJAX and JavaScript at that point were not having all the developer Let's say infrastructure to be really productive. So I guess that was the point where Microsoft, uh, together with Adobe, which uh, they had their Flex solution, came into the whole RIA uh, space with Silverlight. So in terms of 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 let's say architecture and technologies, this allowed you to get all the benefits from traditional web applications, but with improved usability. Uh, and productivity as of native applications. Was that the right context?
1: Yeah, yes, very much so. Uh, Because uh, the product, ERP product was kind of uh, uh, the way users were using it. It was kind of uh, keyboard shortcuts were needed and they were kind of very professional users uh, uh, doing things very fast. They needed to print out papers and receipts and uh, use uh, credit card readers and uh, all all these kind of uh, peripheral devices there. So we had kind of uh, quite strict requirements on on kind of professional usability. And uh, we were very worried that uh, the tools we had back then like jQuery and Ajax uh, would be quite close but still not enough so we turned to Silverlight which was very promising technology and it was also uh, basically .NET and C# sharp uh, programming languages that were already familiar to some of our developers we could use them also on the client side so it provided a lot of benefits but of course later it turned out to be a great mistake but but at the time we chose chose that and uh, And uh, we were lucky to have some couple of uh, new customers at the time uh, who bought our solutions but also needed something more, something we did not have at the time. So these new modules we chose to build with a new technology and with a small team who was already kind of uh, getting familiar with the technology. So that helped us to uh, pick up speed. We had a customer who was paying paying for for us to kind of uh, also learn the new technologies at the same time?
0: So basically, if you look at it, it was uh, a a typical modernization uh, process. So basically, the platform would stay the same, that's uh, the Microsoft stack with C-sharp and .NET, Uh, but then the user interface would change by the introduction of Silverlight and all the other uh, tool set and frameworks, right?
1: Well, uh, we were actually also building the uh, back-end from scratch at the time. So the back-end we had before, it was already Microsoft platform, but it was uh, this uh, classic ASP and uh, SQL server. So some of the te- technologies were uh, kind of uh, familiar. We did have some uh, C-sharp and .NET, but basically we needed to build also the back-end, uh, a lot, uh, large parts of that also from, from scratch. So we're... So it was kind of a a rewrite approach in a, in a big way
0: okay so how did you create the new teams uh were all based on existing developers
1: well yeah we we did have um a kind of uh, some technically strong developers who were already spending some of their own time to investigate on the new technologies, and they they kind of had a strong uh, push and they a strong will to learn those things anyway. So we started uh, with 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 the core people uh, who were already familiar with the new technology, and we also did some uh, new hires. So it was kind of a mixed team maybe half half existing people and half new people.
0: Okay, and how important was the fact that you were able to add new people uh, to the team?
1: I would say that was very important because um, it's, it's always the problem that uh, existing people have their old uh, responsibilities and uh, their kind of, always being pulled back to the things they built before so they don't have 100% uh, focus. It's, it's at least it's very difficult to get that. but the new new people they, they can they can put 100% of their time on, on, on the new new initiative. So that kind of helped us to uh, have enough people working working on the new area.
0: So basically one reason uh, you extended your team through external people is on one hand to allow your a part of your core developers to still focus on operational issues while the new developers, uh, at least some of the new, or, or at least the new developers together with some of the old developers to focus on this new uh, migration.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, our existing people were kind of, of also very key there because uh, they already had the uh, idea of the technical requirements and they knew the product that was kind of the kind of being rewritten, and they already knew about the customers and and, and so also so it was a good mix. How
0: important was the the skills uh, in the new platforms of the developers you
1: hired? Uh, at the time, uh, it. Because Silverlight was also a new technology on on the UI side, uh, it was nearly impossible to find anyone who already had experience with that. But uh, we were able to find people who have been working on on web-based solutions and were uh, familiar with ASP.net and and some of the backend technologies. So they kind of uh, were the half the, the new half of, of the technical stack, and then uh, we we had some external training to to help us get to speed on, on the new technology part. Okay,
0: that makes sense. Um, so basically, uh, you selected, a, 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 I would imagine, a tech lead or a team lead from your uh, core team. Um, what were the the features or the skill sets that you were looking into when selecting that person?
1: I think it happened quite naturally. Uh, We were a very small team at the time and uh, it it was basically the people who had the technical capability and curiousness and kind of uh, who were already spending their own time even to learn the new technologies. So, I think it it came from the people themselves. Kind of, they were pushing themselves. Uh, kind of, uh, um, but they they wanted to do that. It was exciting uh, opportunity for them to work on.
0: Was he also a core team in the in the core product? So was he also very familiar with the domain? Uh, familiar with the way you're building your current solution and deploying and so on.
1: Yes, yes, kind of um, a strong uh, problem sol- solvers who kind of uh, basically can do anything attitude and, and capability in, in, in technology wise. Okay.
0: So I would imagine from a technical perspective, as you mentioned, that person already spent a lot of time investigating these new technologies and solutions, and he already had a lot of domain knowledge. But what other skills uh, is it required to have really a successful team lead? Are there any soft skills like communication, leadership, uh, vital for the success of, of such a new team?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, the, the, the way we were organized uh, or were learning to organize at the time that uh, we, we had someone as a product owner, someone who knew the business domain and, and, and what needed to be built. And then there was this uh, kind of technical lead so they they formed like a like a working pair uh kind of the core of the team and uh when later we were kind of in making the team bigger and growing it 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 was kind of apparent that also the technical leads they need to be able to communicate uh clearly uh w- with the product owner and with the rest of the team and kind of uh to manage tasks and split uh, larger tasks into smaller, smaller ones, and uh, and also also help uh, the more junior developers on on learning the new technology and learning the new context and things things like that, kind of teaching, helping others a lot, yeah. and uh, and of course that needs that takes a lot of patience to because these, these people are usually kind of uh, very fast-moving and uh, sometimes impatient. So, right. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I've seen many times teams fail uh, because basically they were not having a uh, focus on the new migration transformation. Uh, reusing kind of the same teams or part of the core teams to perform uh, uh, activities like this uh, usually is difficult because normally operational issues will always tend to pull you back. So usually what happens is that although you have kind of a sub team uh, allocated for these new modernizations or rewrites or transformation pro- processes, it actually passes. you have years and months and years actually that passes in which they are unable to, um, Progress because they are constantly uh, pulled back into op- operational issues in the core products. How difficult was uh, to isolate the existing developers from uh, operational issues?
1: Well, that's that's definitely a pain point. Bo- pain point. Uh, uh, I think at some points it was it it felt almost impossible to dedicate enough time for the new area and. Uh, at, at some stages the development was very slow because we needed to work on something something on on, on the existing product and kind of uh, when when we're working on a new initiative it, there are so many things that require a lot of attention there is this most probably a new domain area uh, there is new technology that needs to be learned a, a new team uh, maybe uh, Quite likely, also new tools are there, and, and so, so many things that are new and require focus. Yeah, so so it would it would be very important to have have uh, 100% focus is, is, if that's anywhere near possible.
0: Did you manage to uh, kind of ensure management commitment, so management buy-in, so you have kind of uh, a whole organization aligned that this team will focus on this issue only, regardless of what happens in the operational part?
1: Um, well, uh, I, I think we did quite well there, but still, um, because it, this was in very large part driven by top management, that we needed to have this uh, uh, rewrite and product renewal done uh so and and we were uh getting uh many new resources in that area and uh that was kind of uh, management support was there and it was very strong but still when we were kind of uh, uh there are new customers coming in for the old product and their very prospective sales uh they always tend to pull back uh, key people so uh, we were a bit of lucky there because some of the new customers needed new things, and we could new, use the uh, new team to build those. And it was also taking our product to the right direction. So, so it it was uh, it was. Did good. you
0: build them in on the new platform or still in the old platform?
1: That was on on the new platform. L- later, when we looked at what we did, was that. Uh, we made a lot of kind of uh, rookie mistakes and uh, choices that we probably would have done differently, but because we were under the pressure of the of the customer delivery, and we were only doing the features that one customer used, so the couple of first modules were uh, they they were kind of different and were kind of. Uh, not, not so easy to maintain and, and develop further, but the next modules, uh, we had already learned from that, so we did them in, in a more generic way, which which proved to be more, more successful.
0: Uh, discussing about this topic a little bit, uh, because it was a new platform and a new technology, and although you mentioned you had trainings, uh, how important were those trainings uh, did you make uh, or take decisions that were a little bit too early compared to your experience or knowledge on the du- on the new platform
1: oh uh, yeah yeah we we did uh, the way we did training is that we used uh, one of the well known uh, training companies in in finland and uh, we brought in the uh, people to our office and it was a dedicated course for our developers and we had a series of those on basic c-sharp and uh, silverlight uh, and uh, databases and uh, web technologies and so on so we had quite a lot of training uh, but already at the time uh, the technological leads they they probably did not get much out of that because they already knew that they had learned that themselves. So it may be maybe a bit useful for them also. But um, kind of um, um, we we did some kind of premature optimizations, some overly generic things that we were thinking that okay, since we're building a new product and it needs to support so and so many new uh concurrent users and uh, uh it will be a big hit and so on so we were designing things that were kind of uh, too much and it turned out later that uh it actually slowed us down we should have uh, done things uh to be more simple and straightforward and only optimize later when 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 we see it in production that it, it is actually needed so that that happened in 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 a few areas
0: so basically, you are you ain't gonna need it. Uh, philosophy usually helps in these uh, scenarios. So, trying to stick with the the use cases that you have, uh, and try not to prepare too much ahead uh, for what you think might come when yeah. you have no. Uh, guarantees that that actually will actually come at some point
1: yeah keep uh, it simple and, and uh, yeah. also, also on that note uh, uh, to validate the requirements is also very important uh, the way we got the requirements we made some mistakes there too because it was also the business people making similar kinds of mistakes kind of uh, uh, they had their vision kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, going into too much uh, revolutions, so so to say, so that uh, all the requirements we got were not actually uh, something that the customers would need. or So so some of the requirements were also kind of uh, over-engineered by the business people, so so to say.
0: So having expert uh, decisions on the requirements as well, can be tricky because, uh, of course, it's difficult to put yourself in the place of a customer. Uh, and that's why kind of the lean approach, uh, where you actually try to validate, like, to always work on the MVP, uh, it's much more, uh, let's say, valuable than trying to build the best product you can. Uh, I would imagine also that because you had new uh, teams uh, new team members in the in, in the company working on this project, that domain knowledge uh, was a challenge. But how did you approach um, growing up the domain knowledge in the new team members
1: uh, Well, uh, we were quite lucky because uh, the people we got in in uh, they had very focused uh, work ethic. And uh, they were not not only focused on technology. So generally, we, our our developers have some interest and some understanding of of our customers' business and and so on too. So that that helped a lot. And uh, at some later points in our projects, we did some customer site visits. So we went in uh, to one customer. Who had kind of arranged uh, some key people there, showing us that how they actually do sales at, and how they what they do in the warehouse and uh, about the financial management office, what they do there, and they walked us around their office and and and, uh, uh, and showed that what what's what are they doing, how they are using our uh, older and older software, and uh, what what is important, and so on, so. That really opened a lot of eyes in, 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 in our people so that they could, uh, after those visits, we had a few of those. Uh, it was a lot easier to discuss on the requirements and people could connect that why something needed and how, how it will be used.
0: Uh, that seems like a, a good idea. Did you hear them referring to the actual uh, Customer discussions when discussing features and so on. So, do you uh, heard them actually using that information?
1: Yeah, yeah. That I actually remember when I was uh, also there um, at at one of the customers, and uh, there was uh, an Indian developer who was uh, brought to Finland uh, at the time for for this this event, and and. Uh, uh, I remember when he saw that um, the truck driving in front of the store there, which had the um, uh, logistics company name on its side, and I, I kind of saw how he realized that. Okay, so yeah, so that's a logistics company, and they actually drive to this uh, outlet and. Uh, well, and what they do at the warehouse and it was kind of very very enlightening to see how how things work work in real life yeah that seems
0: kind of important to, to really have a, a feeling that you understand what's going on at at, at your customer side um, you mentioned that basically the technology was new so basically when you started not all the developers were pro-efficient uh, in the new technology
1: yeah, that's that's right. So uh when we were moving more and more of our uh, existing developers to this uh, new side uh we we needed to make sure that they have training and, and mentoring on on the new technology.
0: Did you choose to to put them on specific areas of the development based on their experience or something? if somebody was more uh, familiar with HTML, maybe actually that was Silverlight. So if they were more familiar with the, the, the front-end part of the Silverlight work on the user interface, otherwise maybe uh, work on the back-end, did you have any kind of split responsibilities?
1: Yeah, we, we tried to kind of optimize it it, it that way in, in, in any ways that it was possible. For example, somebody who was very strong on database side would also uh, focus more on the data-heavy areas of, of the new new solution, or somebody who already had a strong domain knowledge on, on one of the modules would be in the team that was uh, creating the new, new UI for the new product.
0: Was there any kind of preparation uh, prior to actually engaging in the actual work? Did you try to build something like proof of concept or some prototypes? Um, to validate the architecture or the approach or specific technical risks?
1: Yeah, we de- did that in, in various stages of the project. Like very early when we were choosing Silverlight we we actually built some uh, kind of a mock uh, 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 software product that we used to try a few things that we needed to kind of validate that and make sure that, that it actually works and uh we've We've done that along the way in in, in, in many areas
0: in retrospect to to uh, what would you do differently right now if you would have to start tomorrow a new team to to approach a new initiative or modernization
1: uh, well uh, I think the one thing would be that to make sure that the people would have 100% focus on the new initiative because there are so many new things there, not just technology or or the product, but uh, everything is new. So I would make sure that that they have 100% focus, even if it would be very, very painful for the current business.
0: Okay. So basically, if we would have to sum up for somebody who's actually starting a new team, what would be kind of the core things that they have to absolutely nail before starting?
1: Oh, well, that's, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think um, to have a product owner uh, who has enough domain knowledge and also to have a st- strong technical lead uh, and, and make sure that they can communicate with each other and that's, that's the way to get things, things done.
0: Thank you, Una. This was extremely insightful and inspiring.
1: Yeah, Thank you, Remus. It's always nice to chat.
0: In case you enjoyed the, today's episode, please don't forget to check back as we are preparing some new episodes of talks with uh, interesting people down from the trenches in dealing with uh, software and lifecycle of legacy applications. Thank you very much for your attention and have a great day.